the best way to draw this masterpiece or create this masterpiece would be to go from almost um, darkness to light. So maybe, you know, deep in outer space in the depths of darkness, but getting closer to the sun where you can see more and there's clarity and um, there's warmth and understanding. What's up world? I am your host, B.A., and this is Take Your Homeboy to Work Day podcast, your favorite podcast to learn about careers. Here's what you can expect by tuning in. Each episode, I'll invite a guest to share their career journey from a youth in school to their rise as a professional. We'll learn the nuts and bolts of jobs, and I'll ask how what they do shows up in our everyday lives. Finally, I'll have them open up about how they find fulfillment through their work. So for anyone interested in hearing the firsthand experience of a specific career, these conversations are your launching pad. Today, we're discussing human resources with a specialty in employee and labor relations. Human resource managers focus on the efficiency of the relationship between employee and employer. So they often wear many hats that include legal, business, and project management. Employee relations specialists focused on preventing problems between employees and management. They create policies that are fair and consistent for everyone in the workplace. Labor relations often deal with union negotiations. They influence performance management, disciplinary actions, settlement agreements, and an extensive list of other complex issues. I've often looked at HR as the cops of a business, which may not have been the healthiest perspective. So when I had the chance to invite a human resources expert, I was delighted to be able to learn more. Today's guest is Kendra Lee Esquire, an HR consultant focused on employee and labor relations with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Kendra has served the VA for over nine years, leveraging her MBA and JD to establish a motivating and healthy work environment that will ultimately serve veterans. She loves that she gets to use her expertise and pragmatism to solve dilemmas and is known around her parts as a SHMI or subject matter expert. Listeners, get prepared to expand your perception of what and who HR is. Welcome to the show, Kendra. Thank you so much. And that was a great introduction. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you loved it. Uh, thank you for coming on. And I gave a brief description of what uh, HR is, employee and labor relations, but I'd love to hear it directly from you. Uh, what is it that you do? So specifically, I am considered a human resources consultant. And currently, I train our HR specialists nationwide at the VA on employee and labor relations issues and how to address them. So employee and labor relations, like you mentioned, it deals with um, uh, a, a multitude of issues. But in simpl to simplify it, it's dealing with uh, disciplinary actions, uh, negotiations with the union, and making sure that the agency is in line with the contract that we have with our different union partners. And then just providing a way to address a lot of issues. Um, 
there's a little bit of reasonable accommodation that's under employee labor relations. Our workman comp group is under labor relations. And some of our benefits, such as our leave programs, they also fall under labor, uh, employee labor relations. So we have a multitude of, of things that we deal with uh, for our agency. Wow, that, that sounds extensive. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, what initially drew your interest into this career or industry? How did you learn about it? Was there a specific person that introduced you to it? How did you get into it? So it's funny you say that. Originally, I wasn't um, interested in this field, and I never actually thought about it. Um, ironically, when I was in law school, my law school uh, is actually a hub for employee and labor relations issues from a uh, private sector standpoint. Um, and every year they have a conference uh, from a federal and private sector standpoint where everyone gets together and talks about issues and things like that. But I never was involved when I was a student. Um, I never really got engaged in it. It wasn't until um, I graduated law school and I took a position in human resources um, as a human resources specialist dealing with compensation that I actually learned about employee and labor relations. And I felt like it was a good fit for my legal background and my legal experience. And so um, that's when I started pursuing this particular career field. And I was able to get a position in uh, South Texas. And that, and from there, I just grew. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, one thing that I love my guests to learn right off the bat is the financial side, especially since we live in America where money is such a huge, important part of our lives and what we talk about. So if you would be willing, you don't have to share your experience, but if you could share possibly the range of, you know, an entry level job into this field, how much can someone expect to make? So um, it definitely varies. Um, and so... The good news is all of the information about pay is available online for government employees. Um, and so a human resources specialist uh, ranges from a GS7, which usually GS7 employees can uh, use their educational background um, as the basis to get hired, or they can use their, their actual experience. So one of the good things about being a federal employee is, honestly, you don't have to go to school. It's not a requirement. But if you do go to school, you can use that to help push you up the pay scale a little bit. So that works in your favor. Um, if you, when you go online, you can go to OPM's website. It lists all of the pay skills um, for GS employees specifically. Um, a GS seven makes anywhere from forty four thousand seven forty up to uh, fifty eight thousand one hundred fifty eight. And how that works is it's a range. So each grade has steps in between, and how do you how you get to the steps uh, varies based on how you come into employment, so on and so forth. But uh, the top level for a human resource specialist is a GS twelve, and a GS twelve can make anywhere from seventy nine thousand three sixty three all the way up to um, one hundred and three thousand one seventy six. Now, these num the amounts that I'm quoting you is based on. Um, what they call the rest of the U.S. locality pay. So um, if you live in a big city like I do, I live in Houston, the locality is much higher than what you would get on the rest of the U.S. So you can always go on OPM's uh, page and look and see if your city or your area has a specific locality. And then that'll help gauge 
approximately how much the pay is. Now, another good thing about government employment is when you look online for or you apply online, the job postings usually have the pay range for that position. So if it says the position is a GS7 to a GS12, it'll give you the lowest range of a GS7 in that area for that position and the highest pay for a GS12 in that area, in that region. So um, it's always available on USA Jobs to see how much the pay would be for that particular position. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that and especially where people can find out that information. That's really helpful and very important. So I really appreciate the transparency uh, for sharing that. Thanks. No problem. So now let's talk about the VA specifically because the VA is always in the news. So I guess first, you know, um, companies or institutions create jobs with a purpose. And so um, why, what is the purpose of the VA naming you as the human resources specialist that helps with labor negotiations and employee negotiations? What, um, what do they expect from you to return to return to them from the work that you do? So um, the expectation for any VA employee, and before I even go into that, disclaimer, these are all my opinions and nothing I'm saying is (laughs) on behalf of the agency whatsoever. Um, But in general, the great thing about our agency is our mission is to care for those who bore the battle, their their wives, their widows, and their children. So we have a very specific mission. And every position, every job that is in the VA, the goal is to care for our veterans and their families. Um, And so that makes it simple. That's the main expectation that whatever I do, I'm making sure that our veterans are getting taken care of as best as possible, their families and their children. So um, how does that tie into HR? How does that tie into employee labor relations? The way I interpret it or the way I like to convey it is that we make sure that we hire the best and the brightest um, in the agency. We, we make sure that those folks have what they need so that they're able to do their job from an HR perspective. So, um, you know, when they have questions about HR issues, pay, whatever, we're their resources, we're who they can go to to get that information and get any clarity that they need. Because it's really not easy being a government employee. There's a lot of nuance. Um, and honestly, it sometimes takes a couple of years to really learn what it means and how government employment actually works. And that can be frustrating. So it's great to have, you know, your HR staff there who can help answer those questions. But on the on the other side of it, um, we help employees that are not a good fit for the agency find their their exit strategy. You know, so that's how I like to say it. I don't we don't fire people. We help people find their exit strategy so that they can find a position or an opportunity that that's a better fit for them and who they are and what they need in their life. And so oftentimes I try to use these opportunities um, to help people learn more about themselves because um, sometimes you, you have young people that are starting their career, they make mistakes, you know, it happens, but it's a learning opportunity. Um, sometimes people have health issues and they can no longer do their job anymore. And unfortunately, they're no longer able to work for the agency. However, you know, there's a respectful manner in which you go about um, that process. And so I think um, employing and labor relations, it can come off as very negative. People are like, oh, you fire people. Uh, no, we just, we help people understand that they are not their job. They're not what they do. Um, they are 
valuable in their own right. And that sometimes, you know, being in a position is no longer a good fit for whatever reason. And that's okay. I love your use of language. Uh, and just in general, I love how you said um, that just because an opportunity didn't work, does it reflect on you it just wasn't the right opportunity and then pursue something new or find or try something different so that you can work for you so very well said about even the tough part about what people think about hr yes everything's all about perspective and i definitely try to make sure that people understand that you know your job is not all consuming you are a person outside of your work and you're valuable no matter what but sometimes things happen whether it's in your control out of your control and, you know, you're no longer able to fit the role that we need you to fit. Um, and so uh, something has to happen. Um, it has to be addressed. But how you look at it and how you uh, move forward makes all the difference, you know? Yep, definitely. You mentioned some things about, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it can be difficult working for the government. Um, it's known for its bureaucracy. You know, you mentioned there's a lot of nuances what inspired you to want to give your skills to working for the VA or a government institution? Well, one, uh, they gave me an opportunity. So when I graduated from uh, Florida A&M, I had the opportunity to work for Homeland Security for three years in an intern program. Now, mind you, it's a full-time job. So technically it's not what you would normally consider an intern. Um, but their idea of intern is more like a recent grad and it's somebody that you develop in a particular role or position. So at the time it was an accounting position. I worked for ICE under Homeland Security and I they trained me as a federal accountant and it was a great experience. I learned so much and I really grew um, from that opportunity. Um, but working for the VA added the additional element of the mission and I really like the mission at the VA because um, I, I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force. Uh, my uncle was in the Navy. My aunt was in the Army. And my grandfather was in the Marines. So I feel um, a special kindred to our veterans. And so I love that I'm able to go to work and help my veterans and um, explain things to them and help them get the care that they need and make sure that the VA is better um, now than it was in the past, you know, so it's, mm -hmm. it's a great mission and I really enjoy it and it makes work fun. I, I work with my family. That's how, that's how I, um, feel. I work with family every day. Wow. Uh, first, that's an amazing mission, um, to, to channel your energy, especially with that connection to family. So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned the word fun. And so that's a perfect segue into my next question. I guess over the past nine years, or even if you want to share your experience from ICE, uh, when, what has been the most fun experience? Or maybe, let me ask it this way, when have you felt the most powerful in your job? Um, what have you accomplished that made you feel the most powerful? Um, what have I accomplished that makes me feel the most powerful? That is a great question. Um, I feel most powerful when I'm able to help our veterans and our employees solve issues and problems that are heavy and big for them. So for example, say you're out on workman's comp and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get your pay because you can't work. You're waiting on um, department of labor to release your funds, whatever the case may be. 
the ability to be your advocate and help you get your funds as quickly as possible to answer all your questions so you're at ease. If I need to write letters or whatever I need to do to be able to assist our veterans and our employees so that they are able to still live and function despite any hardship, that is rewarding for me. Anytime, you know, I can go into a facility and sit down and talk to our veterans and see how they've grown despite all the things that they've gone through and the things that they've overcome. Um, and to be a part of that, that is exciting. So anytime I'm able to advocate for our veterans, that's, you know, uh, that makes me happy. And those are the things that I'm the most proud of is making sure our veterans, um, get what they need and actually being able to point out, I did this to make sure that that veteran or that that family was able to, to get what they need. They're able to survive and live and they're healthy. Um, so being able to make those changes, um, that's exciting for me. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And I guess, uh, as a follow-up to that, um, has there been a time when you're doing work and you just fell out laughing? Um, usually I laugh, uh, again with our veterans. So our veterans are very lively. They tell lots of stories and some, some of the stories that they give are pretty wild. And so it's always entertaining to learn about, you know, their experiences, um, you know, overseas or at different bases. You know, I always am able to relate to our vets because I'm like, you know, I tell them I'm military grade issued because I was born on a military installation. And there was there was a quote growing when I was younger growing up that if if the military wanted you to have a wife, they'd issue you a wife. If they wanted mm-hmm. you to have children, they'd issue you children. And so when I tell a veteran that I'm military grade issued because I, I was uh, issued to my family, <laughs> my parents on a base, they they start cracking up. And that's one of the biggest laughs that I'm able to get. Um, cause they, they know that I understand the culture. They know that I, I grew up in the same environment where they worked and lived and they know I understand the, uh, camaraderie and the relationship that veterans have with each other. So it makes it easier for us to connect and they feel more comfortable to come to me so that I can help them and assist them. Um, so yeah, that's probably a lot of fun. Just laughing yeah. and joking. Very cool. Um, One of the things we were talking about, um, you know, as we were planning this conversation was the work you did with labor negotiations. Uh, You know, before I talked with you, my understanding of it came from TV shows or movies, you know, a show like House of Cards, where it's always aggressive, there's name calling, it's kind of, people can be duplicitous. Um, I guess, and to learn from somebody who's actually been in those closed door rooms to have negotiation with union leaders, what has been your experience uh, uh, being a, a union negotiator? Could you share? Um, could you share what you like about it, and you know what? How, I mean, you know what's been some experiences that my you know our guests could hear from. So it labor negotiations can be contentious. Um, but it doesn't have to be. And I think what I try to do as, uh, as a, as a representative of the agency, I try to set this tone at the beginning of any conversation. Um, one, I let our labor partners know, Hey, this is what we're here for. This is, uh, what we're looking to negotiate. And Oh, by the way, we have a common mission. And again, that mission is to care for our veterans. 
Um, and so when I set the tone and we have an understanding that we're here to solve a problem, it really changes how our nego- our negotiation actually goes and we're able to get somewhere. Now, sometimes, you know, they're upset about something. They need to vent just like anybody else. And so I feel like I give them the space that they need to address any issues, concerns that they have. I'll listen to it. I'll let them know, hey, thank you for that. I'll get back to you. But right now, in this moment, we still need to negotiate this issue. And then we're able to work through some things. Um, In those instances where it's name calling and all that, I am quick to stop a meeting and say, hey, it seems like this meeting is not being productive. We're not solving problems. Um, Maybe we need to come back to this. And, uh, you know, we'll end the meeting and then we'll come back when heads are cooler. Um, I'm all about respect on all parts. And if a person cannot be respectful, then we cannot have a conversation. And I think because of how I operate our our negotiations, you know, the the way I manage it and the way I train my staff to manage our negotiations, uh, we have really great relationships with our union partners. Um, And so that helps us be able to move forward and solve a lot of problems. Now, it's not perfect all the time. You know, sometimes issues come arise that are outside of our control. We had executive orders that came down from previous administrations that we had to move forward with, and it caused a lot of issues. Um, But in the end, because of how we were able to be respectful in how we move forward, um, I think everybody understood the position that we all were put in during that time. A lot of those executive orders have been overturned by the new administration. So now it's back to status quo. But, you know, some some facilities had issues more than others, but they already had that bad relationship. Again, if you set a good tone and build good relationship with people, you, you tend not to have those problems. You just you're, you're focused on the mission and, and solving the problem. So, um, yeah, I try to make sure things are as positive and respectful as possible. And it makes all the difference. Gotcha. I guess, has there been a time where somebody was disrespectful or maybe even threatened you? What's been like the wildest uh, uh, moments when you were sitting at the table with a, a, a union? So the wildest moment was I had um, I, I had finished a negotiation meeting and I had a union president uh, tell me about a court case they were involved in that uh that dealt with murder i'll just leave it at that and um i guess this was this information was shared with me as a a ploy to intimidate me um little did he know i'm an attorney i'm licensed to practice and so um his vice president who had left the room temporarily but then realized he didn't have his president with him came back to get him and he, I guess, overheard him telling the story. And he, he said, uh, uh, she's an attorney. And so then the president was like, oh, well, I guess I won't be intimidating this one. And then he Whoa. left. And then after that, you know, uh, we really didn't have any issues. In fact, when I left that particular facility, um, he was like, you can't leave. I enjoy arguing with you. You make it fun. So, I mean, he, even in his best efforts to intimidate me, it didn't really work, um, but it was it was it was a nice try. I gave him an A for effort. Right, right, right. <laughs> the stones on him to try that. Right, the stones on him. That's crazy. I'm glad you yeah, kept it cool and didn't 
Yeah, I'm glad you kept it cool during that situation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, I want to get abstract with this next question. So imagine you are in front of a painter and they're asking you, you know, describe what you do and they're going to put it into a picture. How would you describe your, you know, your role, what you contribute to a painter or an artist um, so they could commemorate the work that you do? So I think the best way to draw this masterpiece or create this masterpiece would be to go from almost um, darkness to light. So maybe, you know, deep in outer space in the depths of darkness, but getting closer to the sun where you can see more and there's clarity and um, there's warmth and understanding. So, you know, like I mentioned, employing labor relations encompasses a lot of different areas um, it can be very complex. It can, it changes. Um, it's based on interpretation. Um, there's a lot of room for error. And so because of that, it causes a lot of confusion for people at all levels within the organization. And it's not because of lack of experience. It's just, it's very nuanced. And so my role is to bring people out of that darkness and closer to the sun where they have that understanding. Um, they're able to not feel a certain way. Cause you know, when you're going through these processes, it's natural to feel upset, to, to feel hurt, to feel disappointed, to feel scared because you don't know what's going on. You feel like somebody's attacking you and your character completely. Um, and so there's a plethora of feelings, but the goal in my role is to help manage those feelings, um, help give some context to those feelings. Um, also to give a different perspective, but also just to provide people with a roadmap so that they can see what's going on. They have some clarity and give them a little bit more confidence in the process and what's going on so that they are not left hanging out. Um, and so I think that's how I would kind of create my masterpiece. Gotcha. Well said. So I want to now switch the conversation. Um, as with anything, there's always the good... And then there's also the bad and ugly. Um, so if you were telling somebody to go into this career, what are some of the watch outs that you would give them? Um, even if there's, you know, if there's a, a time early on in your career that maybe caused you a little bit of headache, um, but you persevered through it, uh, you know, what warnings would you give um, about maybe going into HR or working into, into the government or anything through your career? So first and foremost, um, reading is fundamental. So um, it's key to read policies. It's key to read case law. It's key, key to read your employment contract. Anything you have that somebody gives you in writing, you need to read. Um, because if you don't, and somebody knows documents better than you do, you're missing out and um, it's going to cause a problem down the line. So always read anything that's put before you. Um, even if you have to break it down, just read a page a day. Just read, read, read. It's very, very important. You want to follow directions. Oftentimes in the government, there's a lot of policies and procedures, trainings, et cetera, et cetera. You might have to go find them yourself, but they're usually out there somewhere. 
Um, you may have to network with somebody to get the information, but it's available. Um, so you want to make sure, you know, you're doing as many trainings and you're, you know, learning as much as you can about your role and position. The other thing is you want to make sure you get everything in writing, signed and dated if possible. Um, because, uh, if it's not written, then you have no evidence that it really exists. Um, and so making sure you write things down, um, making sure you sign things properly, date them, that's very, very important especially if it may end up being used as evidence for anything later on in life. Um, you want to double check everything. And I think this should be in general in your, in your life, but you want to check your records um, to make sure that they're accurate, complete, and correct. Um, oftentimes, you know, people make mistakes, you know, so, you know, when you're working at your job and you get hired, there might be a mistake in your offer letter. There might be a mistake in, we have what's called the EOPF, which is our employee uh, file employees have an opportunity to go and check that file. You always want to make sure you're checking that to make sure your forms are in there. Not only are they in there, but they're correct, so on and so forth, because it makes a difference. Um, if you don't care about your career, don't expect for anybody to care about it the way that you do. You know, you need yeah. to make that a priority. Um, but other than that, I think with employee and labor relations specifically, I think that you really have to learn your job because you're held to a higher standard than other federal employees because you're the person who's facilitating the process of dealing with disciplinary actions, um, behavior issues, performance issues, so on and so forth. So you're you're actually held to a higher standard. So you need to be um, a great example for everybody else. And that's what the expectation is for you to be that example. So it's imperative that you learn your job and what you need to do and learn it well so that you don't put yourself in a position to be held accountable because it's going to be done at a higher level because you're kind of like the gatekeeper of, of this process. And, and that's important. Kind of like police officers, like we have VA police and just like any other police officer, even in the community, when they do things, they're held to a higher standard because th their responsibility is to protect and serve. And when they don't do that, it's an issue because we look to them specifically for that. Um, and, and that's how you keep their position respectable, um, is making sure you have good people in there that are being that example of what needs to be done. So um, I think those are the biggest things that I would say. Um, but that's with any job. I think you have to really be um, responsible and, and, and um, be mindful of everything that's going on and just watch, listen, read, pay attention, get things in writing. Yeah. yeah. Well said. And I love that you ended it on get things in writing. I wanted to uh, you know, second that, especially thinking about my own career when I was young and I was taking things for granted, taking that people were going to follow up and do what they say they were going to do. And I wasn't putting things in writing and it came back to bite me a few times. So uh, thank you for calling that out. And I just want to second that to the listeners. So I appreciate it. Next question, you know, um, and uh, it's about, uh, you know, technology is changing jobs every year, especially as new innovations come and we're coming out of a pandemic as well. So as you think about your job, how will technology and different perceptions of work after the pandemic change things for what you do? 
So we are definitely moving to more uh, remote and virtual positions for HR, which is actually really good for the for federal government across the board. Ideally, if we can get a lot of administrative roles to be more virtual, it would save the government a lot of money because now you don't have to have offices and desks and all these materials and so on and so forth. You're paying just for the technology uh, and the people can work from home. So that has actually been very beneficial. Now, there are still some admin staff that need to be on site. For example, in HR, we have to deal with fingerprints. So you need somebody at the office to be able to take new employees' fingerprints. So somebody's got to be there. But to reduce the footprint is has been really beneficial. Um, a lot of VAs specifically have um, have outgrown the facilities that they're in. And so being able to recapture and regain a lot of that space by sending folks home has been very helpful and very beneficial. Now, with that being said, you know, some of our roles require us to have folders or documents. And so now we have to rethink how we manage our our documents um, for dealing with disciplinary action, so on and so forth, to maintain our, our records. And so um, I think the VA it has done a great job at um, finding creative solutions. Now, mind you, they were already working on these solutions prior to the pandemic, um, but the pandemic definitely sped up the process um, significantly. But, you know, we have new systems and new programs that we use to um, manage our records for disciplinary actions. Everything now is being d- done online. So, you know, we're sending emails. You know, we have teams like everybody else. Um, and there's other um, software and solutions that we've been using to make sure that we're able to stay connected and continue uh, with, you know, the agency the way it needs to be uh, managed. So I will say that we, we're just being creative and coming up with some solutions and it's been working so far. So I, I venture to say that's going to continue. Um, and I'm excited to see how it will go because the VA is definitely unique um, in not only our mission, but how we run our organization. It's definitely not like private hospitals. So um, some of the things that we come up with are really, really creative and also what a lot of people don't realize is that oftentimes the VA is at the cutting edge of technology because we have resources that um, private facilities may or may not have access to. We have access to research and development that you know other facilities may or may not have access to, and we oftentimes have partnerships with you know the top schools throughout the nation, you know HBCUs included, you know so. Um, we have a lot of access to um, the best of the best and top tier information. And oftentimes, you know, other healthcare organizations reach out to the VA to utilize our in- information, our data to help them improve their facilities. So I'm excited to see where we're going. Thank you for sharing. Um, and and um, when we were having a first conversation about this, um, uh, you know, I guess I, I first let me say I really appreciated the passion and the insight you've given into human resources and working for the VA. Um, one of the things you shared with me is that you think this is a great career path, great employer that a lot of people don't know yet. So for anybody who may be considering joining your team or joining the VA and using their gifts and skills, uh, I guess for you, 
Why has it helped your career? Or I guess, I guess for somebody else is really the right question. So for somebody else, why do you think this would be a great path for them to, to come and join? So I feel the, the federal government in general is not the same federal government that our parents were um, brought up in. I know when I first started, you know, a lot of my older family members who are, were federal employees uh, were like, hey, uh, make sure you don't lose that good government job. You know, right. that was kind of like the mindset. And there was the mindset that people in the government never got fired. There's no accountability. People are lazy. And that's just honestly not the truth. Honestly, most employees are excited to come to work. They want to do right. Um, they understand the importance of their role and how it affects people throughout the country. So, for example, when I was with ICE, um, I, I, I did um, accounting for our property, plant, and equipment. So I'm making sure that all of our accounts reflect the properties, the leasehold improvements, etc. that this particular agency had and all of the subcomponents that we um, worked with um, to make sure that their books were accurate. And I literally could say, okay, we have this island over here that we paid a dollar for and we're doing this leasehold improvement on um, so that we can uh, do research and development, you know, to, to protect our country in this manner. Um, we have this building over here that we've retrofitted for our agents so that they can, you know, practice and learn and become better agents, again, to pr protect our borders, so on and so forth. So I could actually see where my taxpayer dollars were going. That's one of the things that really excited me about working for the federal government. If I'm paying taxes, at least I know where it's going and I have an opportunity to make sure it's being um, managed correctly. Okay. So yes. that, that was one of the things that was exciting for me. The other thing that was exciting for me, well, and I didn't realize this at first, but you know, when I first, when I was at FAM, I wanted to go work for the top accounting firms, just like everybody else. And as you know, it's very competitive. Um, and I ended up not getting an opportunity. Now, mind you, I had interned with them or I'd gone through all these programs. They had flown me out and all this kind of great stuff, but I never actually got an opportunity to get a full-time job for them with them. Well, they ended up working for me because as uh, they were contractors, I'm a fed. So basically at the end of the day, you know, with the hierarchy at some level, I can make decisions over what they did and vice versa. Plus, you know, I get all the federal holidays off. They still got to go into the office on federal <laughs> holidays. So that worked in my favor too. Um, it's If you're interested in working somewhere and they are a company or organization that contracts with the federal government, consider working on the federal government side and networking your way into those positions. Because oftentimes that, that happens. You know, the companies often um, can poach federal employees if that's where they want to work. So if you want to work at Deloitte and you didn't get an opportunity to get it, get a job through your school program, go work for an accounting sector in DC um, with the federal government. Cause everybody works for the federal government pretty much in DC and nine times out of 10 Deloitte is there. KPMG, KPMG is there and you can network with the, those folks who are at the excuse me, at the facility or at the uh, agency as contractors, and possibly segue your um, yourself into another role. However, what's more likely than not to happen is those employees are trying to get into the federal government. So you nine times out of ten, you'll see um, a lot of contractors that'll come over and become feds um, more so than the other way around. 
Um, but it's it's a great opportunity. Um, I love that I've been able to have so many different roles and jobs and positions within my organization without having to go and get another job. Um, like I said, I've been work with the VA for years now, and I've held, I've been a, a management analyst, I've been HR compensation, I've been um, an HR specialist dealing with employee and labor relations. Um, you know, you can do staffing if you like staffing. There's human resources information systems. Um, so there's so much that you can do in HR, but just in general with the VA, if you like um, IT, we have a huge IT office um, either at the facilities or nationwide because there's different levels. Um, we have an office of general counsel. If you are an attorney and you want to work for the VA, what's unique about the VA is um, with our benefits section, we actually have what they call ALJs, administrative law judges, that um, are employed by the VA but don't work directly for the VA, but they review um, benefit uh, cases from veterans. You know, so you know you have an opportunity to move up and possibly be a judge, a federal judge. So I mean, there's so many opportunities available within the agency, but also just within the federal government. Um, and being on the federal side gives you a lot of exposure, um, to whatever area industry that you're interested in. Um, and that would prepare you for any private sector opportunity as well. So it's just a great opportunity. I enjoy it. Awesome. 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 Thank you for sharing that. And so for my last question, I actually have a curveball for you. Um, <laughs> I know your love for education and clearly you love to read given, you know, earning your JD and the work that you do now. Uh, I love to ask a question where the listeners can learn a little bit about who you are as a person. So if you would, uh, what are your three favorite books that can be fiction, nonfiction, work-related, uh, you know, just your three favorite books? What are they? Um, yeah, what are your three favorite books that you have enjoyed reading um, throughout your life? Ooh, that is a really good question. So my favorite author, just in general, is Toni Morrison. So, uh, Song of Solomon is one of my most favorite books that I've ever read, um, by Toni Morrison. So that's definitely number one. Um, what's another book that I really enjoyed? Um, right now I'm reading a book on healthcare and leadership and I forgot the specific name of it, but I, I ended up purchasing that book through ACHE, which is the American, uh, excuse me, the Association of, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm saying that wrong. No worries. Let me get it right. <laughs> it is the American College of Healthcare Executives. I apologize. And so um, they have a conference every year in March. And so I had the opportunity of going this year and I bought a number of books, great books to help you know, develop me, but, um, it's, the book is like five minute, uh, snippets of that you can use every day to develop your leadership skills, whether it's dealing with communication or your leadership style or learning about yourself so that you can better co connect with your staff and, and the people you work with. So, um, that's the book that I'm reading now. And I think my third 
uh, favorite book. Um, what would be my third one? I, um, it's probably a kid's book. And so don't judge me. I love little people. They're the greatest. (laughs) And I have a little nephew. And so, uh, one of the books that I'm looking forward to sharing with him is Shel Silverstein's uh, The Giving Tree. Actually, anything mm-hmm. Shel Silverstein, I'm looking forward to sharing with him, but especially The Giving Tree, um, because I feel like it's a great book um, to to learn from and live your life on, especially when you're dealing with people. And I'm a people person. And so I feel like the things that Shel Silverstein teaches in that book are still applicable today and applicable to what I do. You know, you can't give all of what you have to somebody else because you'll have nothing left. But at the same time, um, appreciate what people give you. Um, don't take it for granted and respect it and value it. And at the end of the day, you know, we we give each other, we, we support each other and we give each other what, what we need to grow. And as long as you always remember to appreciate the people in your life, um, the pre- people that pour into you and build you up, you know, that, that person, even if they've giving you their last, they'll live on through you and your and um you become their legacy. So I really love that book and I think it's a, a great way to live your life and to continue to grow. Wow, gotcha. Love it. Well we've come to the end. Um let me just say uh, you know, I said in my intro I had a certain perspective of what HR is and then after we talked for a little bit it totally was dismantled and changed. So I really appreciate you changing my mind, coming on the show, sharing your firsthand experience, and then you know telling people how this could be a great career path. Uh, I really even love when you said um, you know you enjoy working for the government because now you can actually control in, a, in one small way you can control uh, how your tax dollars are being spent. So I love that you look at look at it from that perspective and uh, actually take control and. Uh, you know, value what you do. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, One last question. If somebody wanted to learn more uh, from you, uh, they can find you on LinkedIn. uh, First name Kendra, last name Lee, correct? That is correct. Um, Definitely feel free to reach out. Um, One of the things I definitely wanted to share uh, before we get off is that there are a lot of opportunities in HR, especially at the VA right now. Um, and so please make sure you're looking at USA jobs that you're registered on there. You have your resume on there, um, your transcripts, if applicable, um, because there's so many opportunities for you to get into different programs, um, so that you can develop your skills and grow throughout the organization. And so now is a great time to really just consider your, all of your options. If you're, if you're searching for a job, if you know, you want to be virtual, um, government HR might be a good route for you. And there's a lot of training opportunities available that right now. So, um, definitely, definitely, if you have any questions or want to learn more about that, feel free to reach out. There's a lot of information on USA jobs, uh, website now to help people better understand how to, you know, log in, register, how to build their resume, so on and so forth. Um, And so if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out as well. Awesome. And I'm going to include uh, in the show notes, I'm going to include a link to your LinkedIn and to Uh, usajobs.gov. So that'll help people go directly to the source. 
Thank well, you. <laughs> of course, of course. And finally, thank you again for taking time out. I appreciate it. I know the audience will appreciate it. And I, I hope you have a great rest of the day, rest of the day, and continue achieving your professional goals. You too. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate um, the opportunity to share with people what I do about my agency, how it's changed. Um, I know we get a bad rap, but it's it's definitely not the VA of old. Um, and, and we're definitely making strides to improve it um, for our veterans. Um, so thank you for this opportunity. And I, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share. So, Hey, you're welcome. Uh, thank you. And until next time, we'll talk again. All righty. Bye. Bye. Bye.